the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Links and Locks Best Bets podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is Ben Everell from Golf Bet. And we are here, as always, to break down our 18 favorite bets and playing 18 holes for this week's 123rd U.S. Open Championship before we get into not just the players we like, but what kind of players should succeed on LACC North. One quick reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 in any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Benny. Here we go. The third major championship of the year. You are an adopted resident of los angeles you live here year round i don't know how do you do it i couldn't stand the traffic the people oh my goodness this is an interesting place for a major we ain't in rochester new york anymore i'll tell you that much (laughs) but i think this golf course is absolutely going to show out for a lot of the country uh this is going to be a prime time event with a fantastic venue you have played here just about a month ago you have walked the golf course what have you seen yeah, mate, look, it's it's just a hidden little gem and oasis in the middle of concrete jungle. Um, you wouldn't know it was there if you're just driving past Old Wilshire Boulevard and whatnot. In fact, I've lived here, as you know, for a long time and and used to live closer to the course and drove past many a time not really knowing it was there. Um, now, when you get in there and having seen it, it's, it, it is meant, and look, it is a small footprint for a golf course, especially a championship golf course. That's why we don't have or won't have huge crowds. It may look a little strange to people on TV looking like, hey, there's no one there. What's going on? But that's just the way that it has to be when you haven't got the the vast space that you have at other venues around the country. Uh, it, what it is, though, is a beautiful golf course. And uh, it's got a little bit of a sandbelt feel from the people who from my neck of the woods. Mm. However, I will say loosely because, as the USGA often do, Around the greens, they have just caused, uh, created diabolical rough um, and problems and, and runoffs in certain spaces, but then deep rough in others, which you wouldn't see in the scene, but it would all be shaven. We'd be running into bunkers on like on purpose and scenario rather than having rough stop it. So it's like a quasi or, or um, hybrid sand belt look. Okay, so before we get into some actual names and start making some plays here for the people, I want to get into the type of player that should play well here, because we've seen a 180 in recent years at the U.S. Open, because this used to be the domain of the Corey Pavins, the Lee Jansons, the Jim Furyks. Essentially, you don't have to hit it that far. Just keep it in the short stuff, hit it in the middle of the green, two-putt your way to an even par score, don't make too many mistakes, and you can win a U.S. Open. Winners in recent years include John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Gary Woodland, even last year, Matt Fitzpatrick, I know he looks like a 12-year-old, but he gained a lot of strength, a lot of swing speed going into the U.S. Open last year, and so he was not short by any means. I do think 
that we could have a different type of winner this year. I'm looking at players who are more creative. I'm looking for artists as opposed to those who quote unquote paint by number, so to speak, when they play golf. I, I want the guys who can visualize shots and can hit shots that aren't necessarily the stock nine iron from 168 yards in the middle of the fairway with no wind. I want guys that are looking to do a little something, working the ball. Uh, what do you think? What what type of player are you looking at this week? Well, you mentioned what what trends have been. Look, I, I did one of those things where I got stuck in the rabbit hole down numbers, okay? So I'm just going to mm-hmm. throw this out there. The last four champions, when I went and saw what their stats were leading into the US Open before they won, uh, I found a correlation between the last four. All of them were inside the top 25 in strokes game total. Now, wait, I've got to remember here. Obviously, I only have stats for PGA Tour players. There are other players in here. So I have a bunch of guys that fit my little model here. But that means that any live or extra golfers or guys that don't play on the tour were not included in this. So don't think I'm saying they can't win or whatever. I'm just letting you all know that my numbers have run off PGA Tour stats. Uh, Yeah, so they've all been in the top 25 strokes game total. They're all in the top 20 tee to green. And they're all in the top 10 off the tee leading into their win. They're also all inside the top half or 50 or 60 in putting and around the green at that time of this season. Now, with the tour stats, and we'll get, I won't give you the names now, but there are literally only five players that fit that bill to keep that trend going. Mm-hmm. And all five will be part of my nine picks this week. Wow. All right. So, well, with that <laughs> said, I feel like we might as well jump right into it. All right. Playing 18 holes, making 18 bets as we do every single week here on the Links and Locks podcast. Let's get to the first hole here at LACC North. Ben Everell, you're on the tee. What are you making for your first play? Well, look, I'm going to give you the, the, I guess, the higher odds of my special picks this week. Mm-hmm. As I said, um, uh, look, I don't necessarily, I think, I don't think a, an outsider is going to win this week. I'm sorry for those guys who love a big number pick. I will give you a long shot later as an option, but I do feel it'll be somewhat in that top, you know, 15 players, 20 players like we've had sort of a trend mm-hmm. of, of late. But this gentleman, uh, since the Wells Fargo uh, results, third, fifth. 15th, 12th, and 3rd. Best performance in a US Open was a T6 way back in 2018, but was second in the players this year, running third strokes gain total right now, 7th T to green, 8th off the tee, and he's about 28 to 30 to 1. Tyrrell Hatton, he played within himself last week and still got third. He had two great rounds and two so-so rounds. I think he was conserving energy, and I believe... That it's time. We, you know, we've talked about how we need new major winners. We we get one a year. Or well, who won the first one this year? And who, won, and who won the second one this year? Brooks Kepka. We need a new major winner. Okay. Tyrrell Hatton fits that mold as well. Look, is he going to have to keep his head on? Absolutely. Is he going to have to have a little bit of luck? Absolutely. But in terms of the best odds of the five guys I mentioned, Tyrrell Hatton is the best odds. All right. Well, Terrell Hatton was one of my favorite plays. In fact, he was one of my two outrights last week at the RBC Canadian Open came up just short. Eh, thankfully, my other outright play was Nick Taylor and he wanted so, uh, that turned out OK. So we didn't even give uh, you a wrap of those who were expecting to hear our um, podcast last week. I'll fess up. We had a lot of big news in golf. There was uh, some stuff going on that took me away from the pod. It wasn't Jason Sobel's fault. And he did 
tell me his picks ahead of time. And Nick Taylor was one of those. Just quietly, I did have him as one of my picks too, but for a top 40, he probably he did that. I cashed. Congratulations, yeah. Ben. You yeah. cashed your Nick Taylor top yeah. 40. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just throwing it out there. Relo at Colonial and Hovland at Memorial. You're doing all right. You're doing all right. You're on a roll. We're due for a stinker this week, so don't listen to anything I'm about to tell you. But as we get to the second hole, as always, I will give you my favorite long shot outright play. And I'm going over to the Live Golf League, which is still in existence, I believe, as we speak right now. Uh, It's very interesting to me, Benny, because we've seen Live players play really well in the first two majors. Of course, Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson were both tied for second place at at the first one. And Brooks Kepka won the second one. And so uh, looking at the numbers right now, I feel like other than Kepka, whose uh, price is probably where it should be, if not a little bit shorter, all the other live players seem like they're still a little bit too long as if the books don't trust them at all. And so I'm looking at, first of all, a guy whose number looks really good. Secondly, a guy who's artistic, creative around the greens has proven that he can get up and down from anywhere. And I'm looking at Patrick Reed. Look, I know a lot of people don't like Patrick Reed. I know a lot of people don't want to bet on Patrick Reed on a regular basis, but I'm telling you, Patrick Reed at 80 to one is a really, really nice number. He was fourth place at the masters just two months ago, 18th place, at the PGA championship. He has proven at least twice already this year that at the major championships, he can still show up and play his best golf. I think this is a golf course that really suits his strengths. And we're going to see him get up and down from everywhere this week. And remember it's a U.S. open. I don't know that even par can win this one, but you're not going to have to go really low. And so just making par, getting up and down on a lot of these holes is going to be very important this week. I like Patrick Reed. And you know that if he feels like he's slotted and if he, I mean, he's the type of guy, if he saw he was 80 to one, would actually rev him up and have him yeah. more excited to play well. So uh, I, I can see that. All right. Let me go to the third hole then. Uh, I'm going to throw you a, hmm. Oh, I'll go to my countrymen. This is not one from my top five, as I said, that fit the bill. This is falling outside, but I'm going to give you a top 20 play on Adam Scott, plus 240. Uh, look, uh, Scotty, as we've, I've, I've been on him a few times in recent weeks, as you know, people look at his overall stats for the season. Go, oh, he's, he's whatever he is on approach, it's way out there. He's such and such. And I'm like, yeah, but you're only looking at the whole season. If you bring that down to his last month, last five, six weeks, he is firing on all cylinders. He is putting 36th on the season. This is Adam Scott. He's the best putter from, uh, I believe, 10 to 15 feet on tour. Um, He is first on approaches from 275 plus yards. And guess what? There's a bunch of long par threes. There's a 290-yard par three this this week. And there's going to be some big um, long irons needed. He's 10th from 200 plus, which will be plenty of shots. And if he is a little wayward and needs to punch out, he's third on tour from 50 to 75 yards. Adam Scott is uh, sneaky in this field. Um, and I think, look, he can contend. People won't realize if you're just looking at results, he, he did okay at Memorial, but he honestly, he was up near the lead, almost maybe even got close to the lead in his second round or third round before having a disastrous five holes with two doubles and whatnot to sort of lose any chance there. But it was just that, a bad run of five holes. I like Adam Scott as a sneaky top 20 play for plus 240. 
I actually listed Adam Scott for exactly that, a top 20 in my preview column that I wrote at the Action Network this week. I've actually got a different top 20 that I'm going to list here, another player that I I named there. But, I mean, really, it came down to Adam Scott or this other player, and I went with the other guy. But I'll, I'll give you that one in a few minutes. But, yeah, I do like Adam Scott. What's very interesting to me, Benny, is that you look at his season totals, really good off the tee, really good around the greens, good putting which we haven't seen from adam scott that much in his career it's the iron play that hasn't been great the iron play is what he's known for if he does what he's known for really well this week adam scott is going to contend for this title we've been talking about adam scott a lot over the past year adam thinks he can still win you and i have both been very impressed at how much golf he's been playing uh look past 40 years old in the back nine of his career and yet uh, i'm not sure he would could have envisioned this years ago but adam scott is still out there grinding on a very regular basis still trying to improve still thinks he can win something i i like everything about adam scott this week i think that's a nice play sweet come on aussie (laughs) yeah exactly i knew you were gonna say that all right uh i've got to go with another non-aussie pick all right fourth all my top five pick so uh gary williams uh hosted my Sirius XM PGA Tour radio show with me on Monday afternoon. And we talked about creativity and artistry being a characteristic that you need on this golf course. And this was very off the cuff, but we were talking about it. And during a break, we had two minutes. And I said, Gary, write down your top five creative players, artistic players. I'm going to write down my top five. And we're going to come back and do a segment, basically comparing our notes and see what we come up with. Of our top five, we came up with four of the same players without looking at each other's notes, without, uh, you know, me kind of checking over his shoulder like I used to do in math class back in 10th grade <laughs> and trying to cheat a little bit. Now uh, we came up with four of the same players. One of them I will give you later in the podcast. Ooh, Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas were on both of our lists. He actually had Patrick Reed, who I just named uh, in my last hole. I had Ricky Fowler, who I'll give you later in the pod as well. Another name that we both had, number two on our list, was Jordan Spieth. Jordan recently was quoted as saying, I don't like it when I have a flat lie with no wind in the middle of the fairway to a pin in the middle of the green. I I don't know what to do. I need some variables. To me, that's the exact kind of golfer that's going to thrive on this golf course. The player that isn't a, like I said earlier, paint-by-numbers golfer. That's what I mean. When I say paint-by-numbers, it's the guys who like – I want to stock nine iron from the middle of the fairway with no other variables. I can just hit my shot from point A to point B. No, I want the guy who goes, well, uh, the pins up on a ridge over here and you can't leave it there. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit a cut into here and bring it back over the, I want a guy who's thinking about every shot. Look, the USGA has said, we want players to think about every single shot. The USGA's MO is to essentially leave players a little caught off guard. They don't want any player walking up to his ball and saying, I know what I'm going to do on this shot. They want them to assess the situation in real time. Nobody assesses the situation in real time. I think better than Jordan Spieth does because uh, he is so used to hitting these crazy shots from everywhere. You're going to see the full Jordan this week where he turns double bogeys into pars. I'm going with Jordan for a top five at plus 500 this week. And yes, I will have plenty of outrights on him as well because I think he's a very, very smart play to go out and win this golf tournament. In fact, uh, the outright that I'll give you with my last hole later in the pod, that's my 1A, Jordan Spieth's my 1B. It's not really a 1 and 2. It's a 1A and 1B, Benny. 
All right. We we it's this is this is cool because we do have a somewhat slightly differing philosophy in the majority of our picks here. In that, as I said, I was I promise you I was with your thinking leading into this, even having played. Um, and then the numbers trended me towards a bit more of that stock sort of player, as I said. Yeah. Um again, because I worry that how do I say this? With the rough may doctored the way it is around the greens it's so deep and so gougy that it might negate a little bit of the magic that some of those players have as an advantage over the others that is my one small concern for the top of play you're talking about but in saying that every one of them is going to have to create put a creative shot on or more than one at different times during the week and there are definitely certain players that do that much better than others. And Jordan is by far one of those. Now, if you had me do that list, I'd as a player that I would have at the top. Uh, and I'm not, and he's not on my my radar this week, yes. but for obvious reasons, if that might be a hint to others. So we'll see where you go later in this podcast. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. Right. Uh, okay. My top five. This guy, I said a month ago, was going to be my pick for the US Open. But then he went out and won. And you picked him to win. But Victor Hovland, I'm going to stick with a top five instead of the win. I think he's in great form. I think he obviously played well coming into, uh, played well at the PGA, then backed it up, backed the fact that he was, you know, and you, you and I talked about it, and you were the one to pinpoint this first. So I'll give you credit there. The attitude when he lost was different. Mm. It was like he turned a corner. And then that was proven at Memorial. And I was just there with him at Muirfield Village. He's fifth off the tee on tour, 11th tee to green, 13th total. Uh, his last uh, results since the Open in majors last year, fourth, third at the Players, I'm calling that one, a seventh at the Masters, second at, at the PGA. He is trending towards a major victory. Uh, as I said, I've, the fact that he won actually makes me a little more concerned. Uh, then I was leading up because I thought he might peak this week. I think that uh, also, if we are talking around the greens, as much as he has improved and it's been sensational, you know, we saw him flub a chip shot at Memorial and get away with it. We saw this, that could happen to him a little bit and maybe that'll be the difference that won't see him win, but still contend. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think now I'm starting to lean to a month away from now for Hovland as a, n- a number one contender. I, I, I was... I was waiting to say it. If you were going to talk about Hovland, I was about to say, <laughs> I love Hovland to win a month from now at Royal <laughs> Liverpool. That I've been saving him for then. Not, not that I need to save him, but yeah. just don't see him winning two weeks in two starts, two events in two starts uh, over three weeks. Uh, I, I just don't know that the next one's coming this quickly, right. especially, look, I, I get it. Like we can, we can stop with the whole narrative of he can't chip. He's not good around the greens. He, he's looked a lot better this year. That said, I think that might be the biggest metric this week is strokes gained around the greens and uh, bogey avoidance. I'm not sure that Victor has it in him to be right up there in the leaderboard, but uh, next month, Benny, next month. Well, here's the thing. And for those um, that Cordage win and he's what he said afterwards, the last, you know, sort of six, seven months, he's been working really hard with his coach and, uh, Eduardo Molinari on working out how not to be too aggressive to, to dumb shots. He's actually been more conservative. He's not short-siding himself. He's not putting himself under pressure 
in that short game that he sometimes struggles with anywhere near as much. He keeps that mentality and jags a few putts here and there. I still like him as a set. I've dropped him from outright to top five. Um, I'm a wavering little butt. I, when he fit my little metric, like I said, he's inside the, the 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 totals for the last four winners. So I'm keeping him there as a top five. All right. Uh, I I don't mind him this week, but yeah, I I really like him next month. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on Hovland for now. All right, sixth hole. I'm going to go with my top 10 play. And Benny, I, I can't give you a top 10 that's a Scotty Scheffler or a John Rahm. I'm not giving you a chalk top 10. I'm going way down the list. I feel like Ben Crenshaw, where I'm going to wave a finger at you and just go, <laughs> I've got a good feeling about this. Ryan Fox, Foxy. traveled over here to the U.S., has played some tremendous golf. Top 30 in nine of his last 10 starts. In the middle of that, he got pneumonia. His wife had a second kid and he went back and celebrated with them. He is back to playing some good golf. Once again, he's a big number plus 1100 for a top 10 this week. Again, on a fast, firm linksy ish golf course. I think Ryan Fox is right in his alley. I can see a really good finish for Ryan, Ryan Fox this week. I, I, I think it could be a title contention for the Kiwi. I'm not sure he's quite got enough in the tank to take this home and be a major champion a little out of nowhere, but top 10 for Ryan Fox this week. We did see Michael Campbell do something along those lines from, yeah, the, all right. from, uh, from New Zealand. So yeah, look, it's possible. Steve Williams but, has won some of the U S opens too. Hasn't yes. He? And, but I forgot to mention he's with Adam Scott this week. So when I oh. said that top 20, oh. Adam Scott has him on the bag. So that's, that is, I believe, Another reason to look at Adam Scott. All right, you want a top ten? Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a chalky um, because <laughs> I think. Look, I I've got. I said there were five guys who fit my metric. I'm gonna tell you right now. I actually, I thought I picked all five. I don't. I don't have all five. One of them I am not picking, and that's because I've been fading him for months, and I'm still not ready to pick him. And that's Rory McIlroy. He actually does fit all the metrics, um, but I will not advocate rory pre-tournament um and what's that same yeah look i it scares me off a little bit because colt dose one of our buddies uh spoke on the cbs broadcast on sunday that he's talked with rory and rory was really excited for this one couldn't wait to get out here and compete on this golf course he's never seen it before but uh loved everything he heard about it that's all well and good but the last two sundays have been awful for rory He's been a fade for me until he proves otherwise. I said that I thought I literally even partway early in the round of the final round at Muirford, I even tweeted out my own story that said, uh, um, I guess I might be wrong here because I, I had said, don't get on the Rory train, watch at the station, let it go by. And I gave myself an uppercut saying, well, maybe, maybe I've missed the train. And then literally from that point on, he tanked. So I was like, it was like a reverse jinx uh, to prove myself right. Um I, I almost hope Rory is not obviously not reading any of the stuff because I do draws and fades on Thursdays after round one of tournaments and on Saturday nights with a round to go. And literally I've faded Rory everywhere almost constantly. And it, it almost feels like I'm, I'm being mean to a friend, if you will, but until, um, until I see it, I'm not prepared to take it. His odds are always so short considering what, how he's playing in those situations. Anyway, just for argument's sake, though, as I said, there are five guys. 
he is one of those five, but not on my yeah. bet. So okay. uh, he does trend in the correct direction to win the US Open. Now, the guy I will put in. So we've had uh, Tyrrell Hatton. We've had Hovland as two of them. The third of the four is Patrick Cantlay. So it's only plus 150, uh, but he is fifth in strokes gain total, second off the tee, sixth tee to green. He has four top 25s in the US Open. Since the Open uh, last year, the, the British Open, or sorry, the Open Championship, where he was eighth, then he was 19th at the Players, 14th at the Masters, 9th at the... So he yeah. is playing well. He's a local. He played at UCLA, not far away. All those things going for him. Um he is boring in terms of hitting it to the middle and hitting it to the middle. But I think he also has the ability to put in a little bit of imagination in his shots, right? So just for no other reason, as I said, that he hits those metrics, he hits the trends, he just popped up. Um, I can't leave him alone. So I just threw him into the top 10. I think he makes for a tremendous top 10 play, honestly. I mean, again, it's a little chalky for my taste, but if you want to build up that bankroll, if you say, hey, I'm going to, play a couple long shots this week, play a couple other things that I'm not so sure about. Well, what can I play where it's like, look, there's no such thing as a sure thing, but what can I play where I'm like, I feel really good about this. It's a short number, but I feel good. Patrick Cantley for a top 10 makes way too much sense. So yes, I really do like that. I think the one thing you look at though, is that Patrick Cantley, as you mentioned, 14th or better in the last four majors. And yet, only once has he finished better than eighth place in a major championship. That was a third back at the 2019 uh, PGA championship back at Beth page, Justin Ray, our buddy with the 21st group uh, tweeted out the other day that Patrick Cantley has never been within five shots of the lead going into the final round of a major championship. That's another red flag, but uh, you're right. I do like Cantley this week. Uh, he can certainly go and win a major championship. He can win any single time he plays Ben. And we don't, as I said, we, the trend also says a separate trend that we need a first-time winner this year. If it's not, if it's not now, it's got to be at the Open, right? So the Open Championship. Yeah. Uh, so there is that thing going. Now, look, those trends are meant can be broken, obviously. But just so you're aware, we have been getting a first-time major winner at least every year. So he would fit into the, you know, better players not to have won one. All right, I get to the eighteen to the eighth hole. Excuse me, uh, top twenty play, and uh, I literally I I had Adam Scott's name written down because that's what I have in my preview. I crossed it out. It's not like I'm going with a player that I didn't like beforehand, but I've listed for one and done in my preview. But it's same. I still like him. I have him in the top twenty in my uh, my ranking that I did of the top of the field. Siwoo Kim has been playing some phenomenal golf lately. He's a guy that has played well in the state of California. He's played well on fast, firm golf courses. He is plus 250, which I think is a nice number for a top 20 this week. We all know about Siwoo's ceiling. I mean, this is a guy who won the Players' Championship at the age of 21. That ceiling has always been massive, but maybe rare. It doesn't show its head very often, at least in previous years. And he's got a bottomless, or at least he's known for having a bottomless floor, which means that he could flame out and shoot 79 at any given moment that said this season things have changed for siwoo 18 made cuts and 21 starts he's got three top seven finishes in his last six starts playing some very solid golf should be a good course fit plus 250 on siwoo this week again if you like scott for a top 20 instead of siwoo 
I'm fine with either one of those. I why don't we just parlay them both and hit both of them? No, no, that, like, hey, let me throw one at you because this was on my short list that just fell off. See, Kim, I love it. I love what you're thinking. Plus 400 top Asian option Ooh. there. The only really the guys priced yeah. above Hideki and Sungjae. Um, yeah. uh, look, those two are those. If we want to fit your narrative, guys, you can yep. think, God, Hideki and Sungjae are not those two guys, are not those. <laughs> they are the metronome, the hit. Hit, hit, hopefully make a putt. So if you want to go down, Jason Singh, that's another option with Siwoo. I saw he's about 400 for top Asian. I saw that and thought that is some value there. I, uh, I do have Siwoo as, now that I think about the top Asian on my my list, my ranking. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. I do like that as well. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, yeah, love him. Just not on my short list, but very close to being someone I pulled out. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's... Uh, well, before we get to, before you throw to our lovely sponsor, why don't I go to one of the Bet365 player market bets? And this is very interesting because if you bet on this player for a top 20, uh, you're like, you're getting like minus 185 or 165. If you, however, sorry, minus a, a top 40, I should say, you get that minus uh, 165, etc. If you bet on him to be 39th or better, you get minus 120. Oh. And oh. so... Yes, we go up the juice, but in this case, there's a little loophole there. And this guy has been inside the top 40 of his last 12, 11 of his last 12 PGA Tour starts. The one missed cut was at the PGA Championship, so I'll throw that in there in those mm-hmm. 12 starts. But he has two previous US Open top fives. I know where you're going. Approach, on 11th on total, 12th tee to green, Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler, minus yeah. 120 to be in the top 39 at Bet365. Uh, as I said, I noticed that it was a better number than if you went for the top 40 bet. And I think that he's just been, I know he missed the, uh, the the last major, but he's honestly been very consistent throughout the season. And I liked that. I saw that and liked it. Makes way too much sense. I actually had that one written down as well, except I found one on Fowler that I liked a little bit better. So I'll give you that later on the podcast, but uh, I I can't complain about that at all. Seven of his last eight starts inside the top 20. The only one he didn't finish in there was a miscut, like you said, at the PGA Championship. But like everything about Ricky Fowler, look, you have to be an artist. You have to be creative on a California golf course. I mean, everything screams Ricky Fowler this week. I can see a very solid finish for him at this one. All right, as we make the turn here at LACC North, a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we get to the back nine. Tenth hole, as usual. I like to go with a first-round leader play, and also as usual, I don't like to give you a chalky one. I like to go way down the list. I'm telling you, Benny, that I did most of my preview. I wrote it on Friday and Saturday this past weekend. I was flying out on Sunday, so this was not a recency bias play. It was already written down. Eric Cole for a first-round leader play. I've got a couple of reasons for this, and I'll add one on to it. First, Eric Cole, as you might remember, led – After Thursday at the PGA Championship now, he still had four holes to play, made a double bogey on the first of those four holes, and wound up finishing 
one shot behind Bryson DeChambeau when the first round completed on Friday morning, but he was right there. Secondly, Eric Cole, as a mini tour player for the last 15 years, has played more single round events, meaningful single round events than maybe anyone else in the field. Whether it's mini tour events or qualifiers, this is a guy who's used to going out there and give it all you got and step on the gas pedal for 18 holes because you need to go lower than anybody else. And the last reason is basically evidence of that. On Sunday, after I'd written him as my first round leader play, he went out and shot a bogey-free final round 63 at the RBC Canadian Open. That only enforces my opinion that he can go out there and go really low on a Thursday. I've got a couple others to back that up. If you like Adam Scott, Tommy Fleetwood, who I also have for first round leader plays, I don't mind them as well. But Eric Cole, I think, makes a whole lot of sense. Shout out Eric Cole, because again, we talked about earlier, we didn't get our uh, pot out for obvious reasons last week, but the, one of the few things that hit for me too last week is I had two top 10 plays in my preview, Eric Cole and Aaron Rye were those two plays and they came, he came good for me late to, uh, to, to make that a winner. So um, yeah, look, he's, he is a winner in waiting, you know, and, and he's just, he can go lights out when he wants. So I don't mind that play at all. And he showed. Look, I think here's a, here's this is one of those great hypotheticals. What if, what if? But I, I, I have a feeling that he would have been first round of the PJ if he didn't have to wait overnight. Like I don't think he makes the mistake he made, which was hit his first shot on resumption into the water when he came back overnight from that um that position at the PGA. Um, yeah, I, I think that he may have held on to it, um, apart from having to think about it for that long on the hardest hole on that course. Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll throw you then. I'll throw you my first round leader play. Um, a bit more chalky, thirty-five to one option. Now, I spoke about my top, my big five that fit the metric and whatever else. Mm-hmm. This guy just falls out of it all, and it's he falls out of it because he's not in um, the top ten on tour and off the tee, right? That that literally is the only reason, and he's fortieth off the tee. And if I'm worried about the metric that I put together at all. It's that, yes, the rough is bigger to US Open, whatever, but it is not as dangerous off the tee this year that it has been in the past. Around the greens, diabolical. Off the tee, there's a bit more width and there's a bit more potential to get an okay lie every now and then. So maybe if there is a bit of leeway somewhere, it's off the tee. And let's face it, 40th off the tee is not bad you know, on the BGA Tour. So sure. he is fourth strokes gain total, fifth on approach. Eighth tee to green, seventh in first round scoring average, and has done pretty well in US Opens in the past. Xander Schauffele is my first round leader play because he didn't fit in my metric, and I still wanted to. You're so <laughs> chalky. Yeah, you're just, you're just leaking chalk right now. I mean, Mate, I'm look, not saying I'm, you're wrong. Though, look, I love long shots. You know that. I love a punt, as they call it in Australia. Oh, I I just have seen. The, the, I mean, look, the chalk's just winning, man. The chalk's winning in the big events. It's it's doing it. These guys are getting up there. Um, US Open does, though. Look, I will say this, and this goes against what I'm just picked, and it goes for what you just picked. But whether it's just my memory or whatever, being at the last, you know, whatever, 15 we've been out of these, whether they lead or not, there is always someone that the wider public has no idea who they are at a US Open, either first, second, or third in that first round. 
Mm. Always. And now some of we all know, like we know Cole, we know, you know, but it might, and it might even be someone like, say, Ferry. yeah, it might be Harris English, right? Like who's a good player and has won on tour. But sure. to the wider public, they're like, who's that guy? Um, there's always one of those early in a US Open who who also shoots low a low score. And people go, oh my God, they're shooting low scores at the US Open, and then invariably that person goes backwards from that point. But you know, like there will there is a a high propensity that could be someone at least threatening at very good odds to be first round leader. So if you are going to take a long shot play, that's probably the place to do it. I have a hard time this week, Benny, separating. The two good buddies, Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley, because they're essentially two guys that are in the same boat. They're two SoCal guys, two guys looking for their first major, two guys who've played well in majors, just haven't won one yet. Two guys whose all-around games are fantastic. I think I like Cantley a little bit better than Shoffley. I believe in my final ranking, Cantley is fourth and Shoffley is seventh, but could I see it the other way around? Could I see Shoffley winning and Cantley finishing 10th uh yeah certainly i mean it's it's very close between those two so i i've got no problem with any shoffley plays this week all right 12th hole look it wouldn't be a podcast for those regular listeners who understand this if i didn't mention sahith thigala <laughs> i mentioned him just about every time he plays i get it i'm a little over my skis with the sahith love it's coming i i'm telling you he's gonna be a top 10 player in the world at some point might take another year or two, uh, maybe even three. I don't think that long, but he's going to be really, really good. If you're going to play him, though, play him, first of all, in a big boy event because he doesn't seem intimidated or scared off against the biggest fields. And secondly, and of course, his number will be better against the bigger fields, which is why we take him there. And secondly, on the West Coast, Sahith, a California native, tends to play his best golf over here in the Pacific time zone. I'm going for a top 30, a little conservative, plus 160 on Sahith Thigala for a top 30 play this week, Benny. All right. Well, you know, I have mad love for him, so I'm not going to not gonna tell people to stay off him. Uh, uh, again, another player I think that it's just a matter of time. And it could be, as I said, if we're looking for that first-time major winner, he, he could be that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, let's go with a top 40 play. I always look for a plus number here. Mm -hmm. I've only gone to plus 100 here. <laughs> no, so I haven't gone too far down that board. To Talky get Ben. And again, this is contradicting what you're saying and what you want because this guy is 177th around the green, 187th putting. Ew. But he is. I hate him. He is a former US Open champ. He is hitting it very good again, Tita Green. He's getting back to when he was at his best, Tita Green. 11th on approach, 11th off the tee. And just because you get a plus number, Gary Woodland. Okay. 100 top 40. Uh, I just think he's trending, sort of been showing. I don't think he's got win equity, but I do think he's got top 40 equity. I'm okay with Gary Woodland. That's, uh, I thought I was going to hate it more than... I do when you said that, but uh, all right, I'll give you 14th all my top 40 play. I'm going with the guy who played really well in his last start at the Memorial tournament. He also has the metrics that I'm looking for this week. Third in bogey avoidance this season, which is I think like this intangible quality that you can't really work on it. You can't go to the range and say, Hey, let's go work on our bogey avoidance today. You either got it or you don't, 
either know how to avoid bogeys or you don't. Look, I don't know what the winning score is going to be, whether it's going to be even par or eight under this week, but I don't think it's going to be 17 under. They're not going to tear this golf course apart. So bogey avoidance will be important. He's also ninth in strokes gain putting, which I think is very important as well. Andrew Putnam playing some really good golf. Again, sticking with the same theme that I had for Thigala, a West Coaster back on the West Coast. Putnam tends to play his better golf on this side of the country. Top 40 plus 170. Really good number on Putnam this week. All right. I'm now going to give you my long shot. And this is the one player where I'm going into your narrative. Someone who's not the ball striking machine, but is dynamite on the greens. Someone who was off the charts, but on the greens just a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. 100 to 1, Denny McCarthy, fourth in strokes game putting. You know, the confidence and desire is there. He was super emotional after missing that chance at Millfield Village sure. uh, in a good way. Uh, he, you know, he knew that was a big chance for him. And look, I did ask him about, you know, feeling those nerves down the stretch because he missed a somewhat as shortish putt on 14. The first one he'd missed and then snapped, hooked his drive on the next tee shot uh, on 15 when it seemed to me like he started to realise he had a shot at it. But what he also did from that point on was hit a good layup, hit a terrible approach, hit a reasonable bunker shot, and then made a 20-something footer for the par when it really counted. So I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, he felt the nerves, but he also had the stones to sit up there and get it done and stay in it from that point on to, and then hit the – before he hit the three hardest holes at Muirfield Village. They literally played the hardest. 16, 7, 18 played the hardest. He kept himself in it. He got a chance at it. He got a crack at it. And if you're looking for someone who, you know, feels like they're playing great and is making everything they look at, like plus nine or something, stress game putting that week, or was it plus 11? Like something off the charts. If he does that at LACC, the 100 to one number is great. A little reminder for the people out there. These are not Poana greens. And so I think a lot of times we go to the West Coast and people are just used to a pebble or a riv where, oh man, those four footers might get knocked offline just from the POA that's growing late in the afternoon. If you roll them solid here, they're going to stay on their line and go into the cup. Denny McCarthy at the Memorial Tournament, I tweeted at one point going, I I don't know how he ever makes a bogey. It must be so freeing to go, well, I'll just hit it off the tee wherever, and I'll hit the second one wherever, and I'll hit another one, I'll have 10 feet, I'll just make it, no big deal. And he did exactly that for 27 holes until making a bogey on his very last hole one wound up losing to Victor Hovland. But yes, Denny McCarthy is putting tremendously right now. 16th hole, Benny earlier, you went with Ricky Fowler for a 39th or better finishing position play at minus 120. I almost wrote that down. I love that play. I was going to have that here, except I can get him at a better number, and all he's got to do is beat one other player. Ricky Fowler in a matchup at plus 105 against Cameron Young. Cameron Young's a fantastic player who has not finished inside the top 50 in five consecutive starts. Something's broken with Cameron Young right now. I don't think that you're going to show up at the U.S. Open this week and fix it. Doesn't mean you have to come in in great form, but if you come in in poor form this week, I don't think you all of a sudden figure it out on this golf course. 
Ricky Fowler has things figured out. Cameron Young doesn't. And Ricky Fowler's the underdog. Smash, smash, smash. I love that play. Yeah, look, so again, going to my metric early before I put them all together, Young popped off the tee, right? Like, oh, Cam Young, he's a chance. And then as I went further into each category, nope, worse, worse. He's getting worse. And he didn't look happy playing recently when I saw him play at the Canadian Open. You know, uh, so, yeah, he just, he looks a little frazzled, a little frustrated. Um, maybe he expected things to be as cool as they were last year or how great as they were last year, but it's not that easy to just continue to be a contender week in and week out. And he's learning that. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I, I, Ricky looks great to me, so that is a good number. It is a good number in this situation. Um especially if Cam Young gets stuck around the greens or, or that putt is not yeah. working for him, yeah. then, you know, Ricky's going to Ricky's gonna look at a chip from the deep rough and see a slope and be excited to play the shot. Cam Young's going to look at that and go, what am I going to do? How do I do this? You know, so um, just that mentality alone is good to take the underdog in that scenario. Um, all right. Well, I've been chalky all day. We're going to come oh, to the guy. Mate, I told you it's the metrics. I told you the ones that are important. The pre-tournament favorite is a favorite for a reason. Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is going to win this, and he's going to Chunky win it by bed. five. He's going to win it by five or more shots if you oh, play. Stop it! Look, listen. Let, let me. I, I don't want. I, look, I don't like the guy, but I don't want it to happen just for the narrative and for the drama of the week. But you, you cannot deny how well he has been hitting it, tee to green, the last few weeks. Like it is Tiger level, plus 20 almost T to green at Muirfield Village, like off the charts. If he makes one more putt, he's in the playoff. Two weeks in a row, he makes one putt, ranked can't last. can't make putt. one putt. That's the problem. No, no. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You just mentioned these greens are actually pure, and they're, and they're going to, I think, level out some of the field. I think it's going to be almost like Augusta where there's That so- hurts him. He needs bumpy uh, green, so he might punt it offline uh, and it goes in. No, I honestly think – plus, I saw him today with a new putter. Now, that could be a good or a bad thing. That's but, not a good thing either. No, I, 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 honestly, I want to be wrong here. But if he – like, the numbers are just astronomical. I, I said that, you know, the, the three main factors that the, the last four um, US Open guys have had, right, they've been inside the top 10 of this, the top 20 of that, the top 25 of this – so here's what Scheffler ranks in those key stats. First, first, and first. Again. Right? Like, look, it, it, and, and look, again, if he was if he was ranked, I'd actually feel, I actually wouldn't feel this way if he was putting um, better. I wouldn't feel this because the fact, the fact he's been that bad and literally still should have won makes me think that I, I think he can improve two putts over the week. Right, if he had to improve seven putts over the week, then I'd be like, eh, a bit worried. But you're telling me that he can't make one more four footer or three footer than he's been making the last two times he's gone out. That's all he needs. If he makes, if he literally ranked midfield in putting instead of last, he wins by double digits at Muirfield Village. I know this is saying everything. If he had Denny McCarthy's putter at Muirfield Village, he wins by 19 shots. I, I like doesn't have Danny McCarthy's butter. I know, but happen. he doesn't need to. That's my point. He doesn't I, need to. I know. I, I, get it. I want to be wrong. Trust me. And I was kind of this bullish midway through the PGA, to be fair. I thought he would run away with that one too. And he didn't. 
So maybe I'm putting the reverse Moz on him again. Sorry, Scotty, if I am, but and look, I, I, I sorry, I don't want to see a Tiger Woods US Open where you win by eleven because you're not Tiger, you know, you're Scotty or whatever you are. But if he puts it together and he hits, if he hits it like he has and makes half of his putts, he wins by a margin. So I can't, I can't not look at him. The USGA is a very progressive organization. At some point. They'll bring one of these U.S. Opens to a Top Golf. Scotty Scheffler hitting those targets is going to win ten that by ten thousand points at a Top Golf if he ever goes there for a U.S. Open. Uh, Doesn't have to putt it at all. Uh, yeah, right now I just I, I can't trust the putter. I can't trust him to make. You have to make ten footers, eight footers at a U.S. Open to save par and, and keep that momentum going. I can't trust him. Uh, on this golf course or any other golf course right now. I know the rest of the game, T to green is brilliant right now. I can't trust him to roll the putt, roll the ball into the hole on a consistent basis. And so I, I like it. Look, he's, he's third on my list. It's not like I'm sitting here going, you know, Scotty's terrible. He's the worst player ever. He's not going to make the cut this week. I, I have him behind only two players. So I, I really do like Scotty this week, but boy, uh, I just question the flat stick and whether he can make enough. All right. 18th hole, my favorite outright this week. I've talked about all pod being creative, being artistic, and I'm taking the most creative and artistic player in the game right now. Come on, Aussie. I can't (laughs) believe that I'm taking the Aussie and you're taking the American, but Cameron Smith is my play to win the U S open this week. We saw the open championship last year. If you need evidence of, his short game around the greens, go, go back and watch video of him on 17 in the final round last year, which I was sitting on a big Rory McIlroy play. I'm like, all right, good. Finally, he's not going to make a par. He can't save par from here. And he goes and just uh, figures out some magic to get up and down for par. That's what Cam Smith can do. That's what he can do on this golf course. I think he makes more pars than anybody. He rolls in more putts than anybody. He was second in putting at the PGA Championship last month. I watched a lot of his golf, and I'm telling you, it wasn't like he was sliding them in on the edge, just getting lucky and making some putts. Everything he rolled went right in the center of the cup, Benny. Cameron Smith is the best putter in the game. You can give me Denny McCarthy. You can give me Jordan Spieth, who, again, I love this week. Cameron Smith's best putter. The best putter is going to win this golf tournament. Look, he's the one guy I actually went out and watched closely today, and he was hitting it nicely. Look, I, I can't, I can't deny you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll even say this: there was he, he putted to a downhill location at the what is it, the third up up there at LACC North today, uh, and it was motoring downhill. It was like a twenty foot putt, and he hit it with enough conviction still, and it just you know went past the edge and then rolled out like 25 feet. He then turned around like it was nothing and made the 25 footer coming back. <laughs> like it was just like really just, what I'm looking for. Like, but okay. I know, but like you know, he was show, he was basically he was working out do I hit the aggressive line on this putt or do I die it on this putt? And by the way, he went back and did he, he hit another ball and died it and it stopped on the it didn't drop but it was like a perfect putt that didn't go in, right? Yeah. Um but I just thought it was funny that even when he made the mistake it was like nothing to him. And he went straight down and he 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 didn't just like knock it in one hand like it was nothing. He sat there and thought, okay, if I've made this mistake, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And he just knocked that sucker straight back up the hill and in. It's just like, okay, 
that's another level, right? That's that's golf that I that most of us don't see and don't have. Um, we talked a little bit. He knows that he's got to keep it on the planet off the tee. Mm, he said, he said if, I, if I'm if I am on these fairways, uh, this course suits me. And look, as I mentioned at the top too, he uh, it has a sandbelt feel. He he was like, hey, if 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 they didn't have the the USDA style rougher in the greens, he feels like he would dominate on the course. Put it that way. Yeah. So and and then in saying that, he's like, well, I can see that there's trouble. I can see this, and he every every little. I was only with him as for four or five holes, but he put himself deliberately, you know, around the greens, threw a ball here, threw it there, did whatever. It was like nothing to him. Oh, I just gouge that one to five feet. Oh, I just flop that one to you know four feet. Oh, I just do it to. Even when he did it to 12 feet, then he made the putt. And he went, yeah. practiced with purpose and actually went and hit the putt after the shot too to make sure he wasn't just doing the shot and then leaving the putts alone. He was, he, it, and it was his first look. He wasn't even really that dialed in yet. Um, and for the feel-good factor too, look, he does this uh, scholarship with young Australian golfers. Two he picks every year on his own dime, flies them out to Florida, they stay with him. They hang with him. And he's done it during a, a major week. He's got them with him. They're two yeah. of these Narrative street. Do it for the kids, Smitty. Do it look, for the kids. He, he was on, showing Aussie. off. He was showing off. And he loves it, right? Um, Jeffrey Guan, that's a name, by the way, to remember. He was the youngest player, youngest person ever on the cover of uh, Australian Golf Digest, Jeffrey Guan. Guan it, he took out Jason Day from that honor. And then and Minwoo Lee, uh, he is an up-and-comer. Um, coming to college here in the US next year, maybe, unless he goes pro. Uh, but yeah, look, he just, and he's also got that, you know, that swagger. I just watched him. And I know you guys don't know anything about this, and we may have talked about it last year, but his bloody Queensland rugby league team against the odds beat the New South Wales Blues yes. in game one the other week, literally with a man down, and like, it should have been no chance to win. And they won again. And of course, what's the first thing he says to me when he sees me? He goes, How about those, you know, how about those maroons, mate? Like he's just he's just ready for it. He's proud. Benny, I, I'm sure you remember this, but last year during the pod for the open championship, you talked about Cam Smith and you said, Watch out. If his Aussie rules team no, no, no. Win, rugby league team. Rugby league. I don't know. What is this? <laughs> the Maroons? I, what a, just, just go with it. All right. Yeah. If his team wins this week, he's going to be uh, so on cloud nine that he's going to go out there and win this golf tournament. His team won, and I'm telling you, the entirety of my Action Network colleagues back in the office were like, hey, Cam Smith's team won. We should bet Cam Smith, according to Ben Everell. And, of course, Cam Smith won in at, at St. Andrews later that week. So I love hearing that. And, oh, by the way, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the pod in relation to Patrick Reed, other than Brooks Kepka, almost every single live golfer is still undervalued in the marketplace. Cam Smith at 28 to one, maybe find him at 30 to one in some places is a really good number. Yeah. Look, <laughs> you know me, I want to go against you, but I can't. So uh, <laughs> before you wrap this up, right? I know it's a major week, so I want to make you talk on a few names. There are two guys that a lot of people are talking about, obviously, that we literally have not mentioned here. One is the second favorite in John Rahm. Fair. And the other is the a hometown hero in Max Homer. Yep. They happen to be 
ranked one and two in par three scoring on the PGA Tour. And there are five par threes this week. My reason for not counting much into that stat this week is because these par threes are different to normal par threes. And they're like 290 yards and 270 yards or whatever. So that doesn't that metric doesn't sort of equate, if you will, as it might normally. But what are your reasons for not being on those two guys? So I've got Rom at somewhere around, I think, eighth or ninth in my ranking. Again, he's I like him. I don't know that the game is fully there. Again, it's it's almost a law of averages play, which is he won the Masters already. Is he going to bounce back and come back and, and win an open here? I, I just don't know that I see it for John Rom. And again, I there's not like a big red flag where I say, ah, he's he's not good at ball striking, so he can't win here. No, it's like John Rom's good at everything. That's why he's John Rom. I, I just don't know. And I, I a lot of it has to do with the number at 10 to one. Yeah. I, you know, it's just, it's too short for me to go chase John Rom. Uh, as far as Homa, it's essentially everyone's zigging. I'm going to zag. Uh, after he won the farmer's insurance open, I joked on social media that Max Homa was going to be an even money play to win the U S open because every single person with a betting account was putting their money on Max Homa five months ago. And, uh, look, I, I love Max. It would be great for the game if Max goes out and wins this week. I hope he does because it would be a tremendous story. Local boy makes good at a tournament that, um, you know, would make his life. You thought Nick Taylor winning the RBC yeah. Canadian Open last week was a great story. Max Homa winning the U.S. Open in his hometown of Los Angeles would be uh, just as good, I think, here in the United States. But I just – there's. Again, I, I liked Max Homa a few weeks ago at the PGA Championship. That didn't quite happen. He still has not really played well in a major championship. It's really hard to bank on the one where there's more pressure on him than any other one to come out and win this golf tournament. And I think you you made a very good point earlier that people might not realize this. It's not power, right? Yeah. It's, it's not the usual... California golf that he's been so great at you know what I mean it's not the, you know it's it's not the cuckoo there's not it's not the exact scenario that he's been the California king 47th his best finish in the US Open so that's enough reason for me because again and it, he's a top liability in most books or a or close to a lot of books that actually scares me in his this case <laughs> his numbers come down too short um, for that reason but yeah you're 100% right he would be Super popular. It he, really would be. Uh, look, again, if I take the L and Max Homa wins and yeah. uh, everybody else cashes their bets, uh, fine. Look, I'll, I will enjoy it as much as anybody else out there not named Max Homa. I hope it happens, but I just don't quite seeing it ha see it happen in this week. Well, anyway, this has been a blast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the pod. And remember, you can... Find our Links and Locks Best Bets pod every week during the entire PGA Tour season everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and listen. For Ben Everell, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with your bets. Oh, oh, I almost tricked you there, Benny. Here's hoping <laughs> you enjoy the U.S. Open. Here's hoping you think LACC North shows out this week. And here's hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. 
If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.